Welcome to the Market Leaders Podcast, where you'll find valuable marketing and business development insights from legal innovators. The podcast series is brought to you by Ackert, the company behind Practice Boomers, Practice Viewer, and Practice Pipeline, the leading business development pipeline management tool for law firms. Hello and welcome back to the Market Leaders Podcast. I'm David Ackert. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing you to Jennifer Queen, who is the Chief Talent Officer at Bracewell. Jennifer, great to have you with us. Thanks, David. I'm glad to be here. Tell us a little bit about your background and your firm. So I am the Chief Talent Officer at Bracewell. I've been here a little over a year. Prior to that, I was at a firm called McKenna Long & Aldridge, and I was there for 21 years in a similar role. I moved to Baker Botts as their Director of Recruiting and Development, and then actually spent a little bit of time in-house at a publicly traded oil and gas company as their VP of HR and Administration, and dabbled in the consulting world. That's right. I met you when you were consulting before this stint at Bracewell. You were out in the field working with a variety of firms for a couple of years. So it's great to have you on the program today. I know you'll be able to bring the perspective of both many years in law firms, years as a consultant, and years working outside of law as well. Yes, thank you. And you know, you had asked me a little bit about Bracewell, and, and we are close to 400 lawyers. We, you know, have offices in Texas, New York, D.C., Connecticut, Seattle, and then Dubai and London. And, and really, our vision is to be universally recognized in the energy, finance, and technology industries, and also in some, you know, select strategic practice areas. But obviously, we are known for our commitment to excellence and a destination firm for talent. Very good. Well, let's talk a little bit about talent. So as chief talent officer, I know one of the initiatives that you're responsible for is lateral integration at the firm. Uh, So tell us a little bit about what you have found to be true. And I I know that, you know, this is a discipline uh, and expertise that you've brought to all of your various roles, both internally and externally over the years. So really interested to hear your perspective on what makes effective lateral integration. What would you say are some uh, standard best practices that people should be at least starting with as a, as a foundation? Well, first and foremost, it takes a village. And so it can't just be left to, you know, one or two people. So, so, so in firms, I've found that when that happens, you know, they're assigned maybe just one partner and that partner is supposed to, you know, wave their magic wand and the lateral partner candidate, you know, the new lateral partner succeeds, that is a really tough thing to, you know, for that lateral partner, you know, the lateral integration partner. So you need the marketing and business development group. You need the recruiting team. You need the sections, the departments, firm management, everyone to be paying attention and helping that lateral partner integrate. Very good. So it takes a village. It does take a village. In in the consulting world, you know, firms would hire me to call their lateral partners and ask questions about the process from beginning to kind of where they are, you know, to present. So so really integration starts at the recruiting stage. And I think some people don't recognize that or, or aren't I mean they, they know that and intuitively, but the discipline around the recruiting process as a, as a start of we are now trying to integrate you into the firm. And everyone you meet from those interviews, the feedback that you receive back from the interviewers, all of that is really helpful when you are, you know, when you now have the lateral partner walking in the door and how do we best integrate them into the firm. 
So the way I look at it, lateral integration is really a business development strategy. I mean, you can either grow your firm through client acquisition or client expansion, or you can grow your firm by bringing in lawyers who have their own clients. And, you know, your work really focuses in that second area. I think what's interesting is that whenever we read industry studies on this, we hear that lateral integration is not always very effective. The industry average is about 50% of a book of business that was expected is actually ported into the firm. A lot of those clients don't come over or the lawyers are not accurate in their own assessment of what they thought they would be able to bring with them. So what are you doing in your role or at your firm to try to make sure that that number is as high as possible? Well, again, in the you know when you look at the recruiting part of the process, as you bring them in, you're really vetting, is this client portable? And, and you know, you, the, the questions that you're asking, the duration of the relationship they, they have with the client, you know, how they came to know the client, you know, who their contact is, what level their contact is. So all of that information is helpful, right? Bringing them in the door, bringing that client in the door. But also, it's early on introducing the firm to the client. So not only are we integrating a lateral partner, but we're integrating the client into the firm. So the more comfortable the client is with our firm, the better. You could even send your, you know, the new client, the managing partner could send a letter welcoming them, you know, to the Bracewell family, to the Bracewell firm. We, mm-hmm. you know, we are glad to have you as one of our key clients. And then a, a quick visit, you know, followed up the visit to the, with the managing partner, or the section head, and that lateral partner to show our commitment to that client. Okay. So assess the portability of the client based on uh, certain characteristics like their business, how long have they known the lawyer, how did they originally meet, those sorts of things. And that feels like a, you know, a bit of a, an elusive assessment, but ultimately it's probably just a gut check that is arrived at in combination with the partner that's being lateraled in and the law firm that is assisting with that assessment. And then secondly, there is the red carpet. To what extent is the law firm really making an overture to bring that client over, make them feel welcome, bring them into the new family? That's it. Thank you, David. That's a good summary. (laughs) So one of the things I've heard you talk about before that I find really intriguing is the mismatch of expectations. Uh, Oftentimes what will happen is a lateral comes into a new firm with the expectation that the responsibility of porting over those clients is at least meaningfully shared by that firm. And what I've heard you talk about is many times the firm has a different weight on how much of this is their job versus how much of this is the new laterals job. Can you talk a little bit of that and how that expectation can become better aligned? Sure. And some of this, right, right as I was interviewing lateral partners, I would ask the question, you know, what was your expectation coming in that the, you know, the kind of the percentage of firm helping and, you know, you taking it all on your own. And some of those lateral partners would say, it's 100% up to me. Very few did. Many felt like actually the the burden was more on the firm. And so it is important to, and and really what I found is kind of it comes to the lateral partner says it would be, it's 80% me, it's 20% the firm. But the firm might say it's 50% the firm, 50% the lateral partner. Whatever it is, it's just helpful as everybody embarks upon the integration plan to know what that percentage is so that you you upfront create that the expectation and there's not any confusion. 
So at what point in the communication process does that expectation get set? Is that during the recruiting phase or is that more during the formal integration itself? You know, I think it's during the recruiting phase because, right, we're all figuring out if this is going to be a match. So if that lateral partner thinks it's going to be, you know, it's it's going to be 80% on the firm and 20% on them, like, let's get that cleared up. Let's, Let's really have that dialogue before, you know, they accept the offer because if they're, you know, if we've already got that kind of mismatch of information, you know, what else, what else are we not in alignment with? Right. So what aside from making an effort to introduce the partners to their new partners at the new firm and maybe hosting a few boondoggles, making sure that everybody's had a few drinks together and gotten socially connected, what can law firms do to ensure that this 50% average ends up looking much higher so that this significant investment of bringing the lateral in pays off for the firm as quickly as possible? Well, it goes back to that it takes a village and it takes discipline and rigor. So you really do need, a firm needs a process, a defined process, whether that's a lateral integration committee, I mean, the lateral integration partner combined with the business development manager, the CMO, but you need a team of people who are going to help that lateral partner. And that also can include their assistant. So, you know, are you checking in with their assistant to say, you know, from your perspective, how are things going? What, is it, what does it look like the lateral partner needs? And that could be just even the technology needs. But you, you would have a meeting early on, ideally before the lateral partner arrives, mm-hmm. to discuss the integration plan. And hopefully during the recruiting process, you know, you've developed with the lateral partner a business plan. But you take that and you overlay it with all of the great feedback you got with the interview, you know, you received from the interviewers. So and so should meet Joe in the Houston office. They really need to connect with Alan in New York. You know, that infrastructure practice would be a great cross-selling opportunity for the lateral partners practice. Whatever it is, you know, you work on that plan so that when they arrive at the firm, you know, are they going to need to visit other offices? Do we have a client opportunity where we're going to want them to travel and meet the client? What are we going to do with their clients? And the other thing is, how do we, if they're not fully occupied with their own work, how do we immediately get them integrated in what we're doing with client work? That's a, that's a great way to get them integrated with the different practices is to really work with those lawyers on deals or you know litigation matters. So it is to sit down and have a plan, written plan, that everyone is following. How do we navigate the inherent mismatch of skill sets, whether that's from a business development perspective or some other perspective, and and even culture? You know, a lot of times you bring a lateral in from another firm, and your firm may have a robust business development training initiative in place, and the firm that they came from didn't really have that. And so now there's an imbalance in terms of here they are, a partner at this firm, and yet they are less competent in a particular and frankly critical area than the other partners at the firm. Is there a way to kind of level set that? Is there something that you do at your firm to ensure that? Like all of this is you've got to be having candid conversations. So you need the lateral partner to, I mean, hopefully open up to somebody that there's, I don't feel like I'm where I should be with with this particular skill set. But for business development, I would say like immediately I'd have them, you know, they would be meeting with the chief marketing officer to share 
whatever they feel like they need or with the business development manager and me. Like I would I would think about where could I provide them additional training in a in an area where they they need it. Got it. So they meet with the senior people in each of those departments and those senior people, because they have a keen eye for these sorts of things, can say, hmm, you know what? This partner is going to need to be uh, augmented a little bit in this or that skill area. So let's make sure they get through that training. Right. But the candor we you know, and the 50-50 split or whatever it is, the expectation of that this is, you know, the firm wants to help you and we're going to put 50% of our time and effort into this and you're going to put 50% instead of, you know, sit back and wait for the game to come to you or, or on the opposite side. So, like, I am constantly asking, you know, how's it going? What do you need? You know, what can we do better? And making sure that our plan is being implemented. So who's ultimately accountable for the plan? For us, it's the village. I mean, really, it is. It's. I mean, the chief marketing officer, me, the chief talent officer. It's the section head. It's the department head. It's the partnership votes on these. You know, on these lateral partners. So, if something isn't going right, we want to. You know, we want to fix it. But, yeah. but we. But we also need the lateral partner to be telling us if they're not happy about something or that conversation wasn't what they thought it should be. But again, during the recruiting process, hopefully, we are having these conversations. And so it makes it much easier as they integrate, you know, transition and integrate into the firm. But they're busy. They, they come over. It's a new culture, new environment. They're transitioning their clients. And typically, they're busy working on matters for their clients. So there's just an, a lot of extra attention paid to a lateral partner. And that is typically in the first 30 to 60 days, 90 days. You know, the book, the, the first 90 days is the critical piece where lateral partners decide, am I going to stay or go? They typically do that. Actually, they research shows they do it within the first 90 days. But really, the plan should last for 12 months at a minimum. And at what point does the red flag go up that, oh, the clients that we thought were going to come over are not coming over, the lateral, the expectations that were set with the lateral are not being met? You know, at what point does the firm start to get a little worried? Usually within 90 days, like by the 90 day mark, you're, you know, you have an idea if the the red flag is starting to move up the flagpole, but six months is a, that's a critical point. And so that, you know, you're having check-ins with your integration plan. You're having check-ins with different people as part of that plan, the 30 days, 60, 90 day, six months, nine months, 12 months. To sit down to say, you know, you take the lateral partner questionnaire, the clients, they said that would be portable. Here's what we said that, you know, the introductions that we would make. You know, here's what we promised you. Are we delivering? Here's what you promised us. Are you delivering? Okay. So 30 to 90 days integrating 90 days. Let's say the, the tip of the red flag is starting to peak over the hill. Six months go by. It is firmly planted in the ground. This lateral did not work out. And we know statistically this happens, you know, just about as often as it doesn't. So what does a firm do? They've invested in this lateral. Now it's been a year. Very few of the clients have come over. Expectations have not been met. Basically, we overpaid for a service partner. What does a firm do? So since I've only been here a little over a year, I have not experienced this at Bracewell, thankfully. But in my other experiences, other positions, and even in the consulting is, you start to have those difficult conversations because otherwise, what I've seen is this can linger for three years. I mean, some firms don't deal with this. 
Right. So, so what, but if you have set these, if you've been really clear in the interview process and this with the business plan and the integration plan, I mean, it's easier to have the conversation of like, look, we, you know, you are not delivering on what you promised. And hopefully the firm has delivered on what they've promised. And you have that conversation of it's just not working here. Got it. So time to phase them out or find another way to put their good efforts to work, but it's certainly not going to be plan A. Well, and that's, I mean, it doesn't benefit them, but in a way it does. Like they need a platform where it is going to work for them because otherwise it's it's difficult. Now, six months isn't the, like you start to see the red flag. I mean, typically I think you, you would give a lateral partner 12 months. I mean, you're not going to, after six months, think that that's rare to kick somebody out the, the door. But by the 12-month mark, there's no surprise for anyone that they are now looking. Yeah. I've seen that a lot at firms where they bring in a lateral, the expectations aren't met, or maybe they thought that at least their skill set would be useful in a particular area. And then there's a change in that marketplace or that big client that was churning off a lot of work in that particular area goes away. And now they have an underperforming partner and they, and like you said, it lingers. They just sort of hold on to that person because they're afraid to have that difficult conversation as you put it. But I think it's really important to have those triggers in place, that sort of if-then scenario that, you know, if certain metrics are not being hit and expectations being met by 90 days, six months, 12 months, whatever it is, then we initiate a new process. Right. You know, one other thing, David, as part of the integration plan where I've seen things a lot of time wasted is when the lateral partner is, you know, they've joined the firm, they're now flying to other offices to meet different partners to talk about cross-selling into their practice or into that existing partner's practice, learning about the firm, our clients. The meetings can sometimes just be more of a meet and greet, kind of the social, cultural, kind of a light meeting, if you will. I won't call it fluffy, but they are that that becomes kind of a fluff meeting. And, yeah. and the lateral partner has spent this time, they walk out of the office and they're like, you know, I'm like, how is that trip to whatever office? And they, they say, well, I mean, they're nice people, but I didn't, I didn't get a lot accomplished. I mean, you just don't want that because you're, you know, you're, everybody's investing time and money. And so it's really important. And typically that this does fall on the business development manager, the CMO, is that you prep those partners on that schedule for the meeting. Like you are giving them information, like specifically you are meeting with this lateral partner because of, you know, your particular client, the lateral partner would like an introduction with your client. You're really explaining what that 30 minute meeting is about, which should be about what's the end result? What's the objective? Why are they meeting with that the lateral partner so that things are moving? We're accomplishing things in the integration plan versus again, like, hey, Bob, really nice to meet you. And nothing happens after that. And then after the BDM, she, she or he would do a debrief with the lateral partner to ask what happened from those meetings. And then again, that rigor and discipline. So what I learned from that meeting is I need to meet these these three partners or I need an introduction into this client mm-hmm. or I need to be educated more on whatever practice. But that is, that's important because otherwise we, again, it's a waste of time and effort in those meetings. Yeah, that's right. You never want the post-game debrief on a particular partner introduction meeting to be, oh yeah, I met Larry in the New York office. Great guy. We talked about maybe doing some stuff. We'll see where that goes. (laughs) You're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Thinking, feeling. Yeah. 
Exactly. Well, I, this is great. I really appreciate you walking us through some of the structure that needs to be put in place in order for an effective lateral integration to occur. Can you maybe take us home here with a couple of resources that people might go to, whether that's consultants or consulting processes that you've worked with that have been helpful or articles or books that you've read or conferences that you've attended where these kinds of best practices and strategies are often talked about. You know, the people who listen to this podcast are always looking for, you know, where can I advance my own knowledge base in a particular area? And obviously, those who are tuning into this episode are particularly interested in lateral integration. So where might you send someone who comes to you and says, hey, Jennifer, you've gotten pretty good at this. How can I get better at it? That's a great question for me. And just off the top, I would say, go to your lateral partners. You know, over the last five years, sit down with them and ask them, come up with your list of questions about the the process for them from recruiting through integration and what the firm did well and what the firm should take a look at and improve upon. So that is like kind of the needs assessment. Those responses will be your best guidance on how you better prepare for the next lateral partner. The other resource, like I always like, it's Major Lindsay in Africa's the Lateral Partner Satisfaction Survey. I'm not, I may not be getting the title right, but um, but they do that survey. I think it's like every two or three years with lateral partners, and they ask them a lot of different questions. And I always find that you should probably look at that two or three times a year to say, am I focused on the right thing? And then I do like the book, The First 90 Days, and it really talks about how it's so important. I mean, for any, you know, your first impression that that you're going to make at the firm, but also the firm's first impression. And so, you know, what do we do to really capitalize on those first 90 days and make those the best days for their career, their start? I really like the way that you're approaching that. So especially starting with going to the laterals that have come into your firm and getting some feedback from them. What worked and what didn't about the way that we brought you in and the way that we got you integrated? Because you're absolutely right. That's where you get the most relevant feedback on what your firm is doing right and where your firm can improve. Uh, Major Lindsay in Africa's study, great tip there. For those who are not aware of it, definitely check it out. And then the first 90 days, first impression management. So really great takeaways, Jennifer. Thanks so much for sharing your experience with us. Thank you for these suggestions and these resources. I wish you continued success in your role as Chief Talent Officer at Bracewell. They're lucky to have you. And I hope that you continue to be able to say, well, I've been here for a few years and we have yet to have that experience where we have to phase somebody out that I've lateraled in. That's that's definitely a testament to your confidence and your expertise. Thank you, David. I really enjoyed our time together. Thank you for listening to the Market Leaders Podcast. For more business development resources, visit ackertinc.com.